Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, when we started this project, we were not sure how hard it would be to edit, record everything, and then eventually distribute. But then luckily, someone told us about Anchor. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, they have creation tools that will allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or your computer. They distribute your podcast for you. And the best thing is you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Unprotected Sets captures the energy of a live comedy show and brings it directly to your ears. Part stand-up, part interview. You'll get an inside scoop into the tragically funny lives and minds of rising star comics. Real, raw, and funny. It's Unprotected Sets. Last <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Calvin Evans. Let him hear it. <laughs> How we feeling? We good? That's what I'm talking about. Feeling good. Give it up for yourselves for coming out at this time, in this moment in history, with all the shit that's going on, man. Thank y'all. Y'all awesome for that. I see some of y'all got y'all mask on. I appreciate it. I don't, I'm going to say this. I don't have a problem with wearing a mask. I have no problem wearing it. I hate just forgetting to put a mask on. I hate getting out the car, taking that walk, and I just, I, I, fuck, I got to go back. <laughs> and then you get to where you're going sometimes, and they like, we can't let you in if you don't have a mask. I'm like, if I put a mask on, I'm going to rob this motherfucker. Like, I can't. <laughs> you, sure, you sure you want me to go back? Okay. All right. It's something about that mask. Like, you ever pull, like when I pull up to a convenience store, and I make eye contact from my car with the clerk, and I start putting my mask on, I'm like, he got to think I'm about to rob this. But he has to. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm looking at him. I'm loading the gun. Like, where the fuck did this gun come from? <laughs> It just feel like, if it, I feel like an outlaw. When I walk around with a mask on, I'm just walking up to people. You got change for 20? Yeah, I'm like, give it to me. I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Shit different, man. Oh, it's just, it's like, we just, it's just different. I miss coughing. <laughs> I just meant like a, like a good, ugh! Like, you know, either the start a conversation, interject the conversation. <clears throat> if I could just add or something. You just can't cough no more. I just find myself just elongating my coughs. <laughs> Uh, you okay? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> people, I just sound like DMX. Mind your business, lady. I just <laughs> nosy people get it too. <laughs> my mo- my mother's extremely funny. Like to laugh. She let us watch uh, Eddie Murphy Raw and Delirious. As a kid, I'm laughing at it like, oh, Eddie Murphy. He's doing these characters. He's funny and just being like, oh, that's cool. And I think that that was like my introduction into. I'm a fan of comedy. Like, I, I want to watch more comedy. That was a shared experience, but also a moment in time where we, where we saw the birth of, like, like, black comedy on television. I'm a comedian, so I don't, I don't have shit to do on a regular basis. Like, I perform, I travel the country, I perform, I do stand-up comedy, I go on auditions, and I audition for roles that Michael B. Jordan gets. So I, I don't really have... 
I don't have shit to do. So I sit at home and I play video games. That's what I do. That's my thing. I play video games, yeah. Yes. But, but my girlfriend, she like to come and bother me while I'm playing video games. <laughs> and I'm sure some of the women in the crowd, your boyfriend play, but you come with it and y'all do the same shit. You come through, oh. <laughs> you still in here playing video games? Really? Really, you just gonna play make-believe all day? First off, when the fuck did make-believe become bad? When did, when did that become a bad thing? When, when the fuck did having an imagination become a bad thing? Two, I think y'all women, y'all need to understand this. If that man playing NBA 2K, fucking Madden, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, let me tell you something, that man is living his dream in that video game. I didn't make it to the NBA. I didn't go to the NFL, I never sold drugs. I never went to war, I would never go to war. But on fucking PlayStation, I, I'm doing all that shit. <laughs> as soon as they come out with a video game where I can rap and be a multi-platinum, I'm buying that shit. Like, I just, <laughs> let me live my fucking dream. <laughs> and what's fucked up is women, y'all going, y'all like, like to do makeup, y'all going there, y'all. I don't walk by the room and be like, oh. <laughs> you still in here playing make-believe in your face? <laughs> Drawing cheekbones and making your, your nose thinner? <laughs> Drawing on eyebrows, I don't do that shit. You got Instagram tutorials, I got Twitch. Leave me the fuck alone. That shit crazy, and what's even worse is y'all take y'all make-believe face and y'all go out into the world. Y'all take this face that you created and you just go out in the world and you just walk around confidently with this face. And people compliment you, oh my God, you look so amazing. You, thank you, thank you. When I turn that video game off, it's over. People don't come up to me and be like, hey, what you doing like that? Oh, I'm playing the Pistons at 7.30. No, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Let me, leave me the fuck alone. Let me live my dreams. I tried out for the basketball team in college, University of Illinois. Made the basketball team, I walked on at a D1 university. I was never recruited, like it was like a dream come true. So like, like getting that phone call, coming out of class and like being super excited, calling my parents like, what, this is, you know. And then maybe like three weeks later, they like, all right, we, gonna, we cutting you. And then kind of like spiraling from that because like I kind of, I gave up on, on college. Like I was like, I always want to play basketball, achieve something that I wanted. And then I, then it's taken away from me. And now I'm, I'm just done with college. Like I'm, I'm just going through class. I'm going through the motions. I fell. I ended up flunking out of college and now I'm sitting at home watching it on television. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> sitting around, got called in one of them YouTube awards. It ain't nothing to do. We done ran out of TV and started watching YouTube. And I came across a, uh, Michael Jackson, remember the time? Y'all remember this, this video? Yeah. It's like around the time Michael Jackson just stopped opening his mouth all the way. <laughs> but we kept listening. We didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. We was like, okay, yeah, it's different. <laughs> if you don't remember this video, the video was set in Egypt. You got Michael Jackson at the height of his career, playing the Pharaoh Eddie Murphy, arguably one of the greatest comedians of all time. Playing his wife is this gorgeous model name of mine. I'm watching the video, I'm jamming out the cinematography amazing, choreography amazing. As I'm watching this video, for some odd reason, Magic Johnson is in this video. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is Magic Johnson doing in this video? Don't get me wrong, Magic Johnson, amazing basketball player. Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time. But he want the best public speaker, you know what I'm saying? Everybody talking and acting like they're in Egypt. He talking like he in Detroit. This shit don't make no sense at all. I got questions, I need answers. So I go online and I did a little research and I found out that this video came out in 1992. If y'all remember, Magic Johnson announced he had HIV, 1991. And that shit hit me like a ton of bricks. This was Magic Johnson's Make-A-Wish. <laughs> no, nobody thought he was gonna make it to 93. 
you dying of a terminal illness in 1990, anything, you want the Make-A-Wish Foundation to send you to Michael Jackson house so you can pet a giraffe, hug a monkey, ride a Ferris wheel, learn how to do the moonwalk. <laughs> Magic Johnson used his celebrity to bump some kid on the Make-A-Wish list. <laughs> some doctor was walking into the room to tell the family the good news. Bobby, Bobby, we have some great news for you. The, uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation contacted us and uh, you'll be happy to know. I'm sorry, just a second, what'd you say, Phil? Who? Magic Johnson. Okay, no, I'll let, the, I'll let the family know. Hey, Bobby, Bobby, um, we, we got you a fast pass to Six Flags. Because we know you don't have time to be waiting in those lines. So you go ahead and you get out of here, champ. Now some of y'all grown, y'all saying y'all here, yo, that's fucked up. This is cool shit about my comedy, it got layers to it. So what I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull the comedy veil back just a little bit on this joke. <laughs> Magic Johnson actually saved Bobby from getting molested in Michael Jackson's house. <laughs> that fast pass ain't that bad no more, right? I'm looking at y'all face, y'all like, actually, that's actually more fucked up than the first thing. <laughs> it's, it's more fucked up. Fuck it, I'm gonna pull the comedy veil all the way off on this joke. I'm just gonna pull it all the way off. Magic Johnson's still alive billionaire. Michael Jackson passed away. Rest his soul. Bobby, Bobby was fucking made up. He never existed. Calm down, okay? <laughs> it was a joke. I made it up. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey y'all, it's them. It's Jaden. It's Carly Hansen. It's Oliver Tree. What's going on? It's Ian Dior, and we all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. First we spent Halloween in Hell. Now you're invited to be a part of the next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the depths of hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me, Tune in to the Valentine's Day in Hell comedy horror musical podcast. Subscribe for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell. Brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. So my, my junior year, it was uh, the spring semester. Um, I've Basketball is like behind me. I'm just like, I'm on my way out of, out of school. And God know Calvin King comes up to me, he says, hey man, doing a variety show, you funny. You wanna, you wanna do some time? At the time, I feel like I had comedy techniques from like absorbing it, uh, from watching it for, from, from a kid. But I knew what worked. Like I, I knew how, how my father made people laugh. Then growing up in, in diversity, I knew how to, you know, so all those things kind of came together and it was just like, yeah, I do it. So I get on stage and I start talking and, I, and, and people were just like, they like start laughing. 
because it wasn't it wasn't jokes. It was like me like what it was the commentary, and that's what my comic my comedy evolved into now, which I call uh, observational philosophy. Like, oh, that felt good. It felt natural. I got off the stage, and I remember walking out of that that hall to my car and thinking like, I'm never coming back to this school again. I feel like the scariest thing right now in America, the scariest thing right now in America is, um, is, is white women with cell phones. <laughs> Walking in a different direction than where you at. Like, that is the scariest. <laughs> this shit right here, I'm, 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 that, that shit right there? I take the fucking cops in my rear view mirror. This shit right here, he's, 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 that shit is scary. <laughs> because you don't know what the fuck they saying on the phone. And it's a procedure. Whatever the fuck they say on the phone, that's what the cops show up expecting. He has two missiles right now. I see he has two missiles in his hand. <laughs> Cop shows, give us the missiles. I ain't got no fucking missiles. Okay, get on the fucking ground. It's just scary, man. <laughs> like white people, like, y'all got this like this stance that y'all do where y'all just like <laughs> this like the I'm in, I don't this I don't know. It seems I've never seen that before. Y'all do this this backwards. <laughs> this I'm finna fuck your life up choreography right here. I don't know. Is he? I don't, and then they do that thing where they try to talk to you, but they lean in and they like extra nice. Hi, hey, do you, do you have a permit for that? Like this, this finger right here? I'm finna fuck, I'm finna fuck your life. Do you have a permit for that? No, because no, I, I've just never, I've never seen. Okay, no, it's fine, no, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, I'm, 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 <laughs> she's scary, man. I feel like cell phones the only thing fighting racism. If you ever type the word nigga into your cell phone, your phone will replace the word immediately. You type nigga the phone like, night, don't do that. <laughs> you better than this. Like your phone just changed the word for you. But if you type it enough times in your phone, it become a part of the phone lexicon. One time I wanted to go write good night, the phone was like, good nigga. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I call AT&T like, uh, this white iPhone getting real comfortable. I don't know. This is a part of the terms and conditions, but I cannot accept this shit. <laughs> my mother was very mature for age. Uh, I mean, she had my older brother at 16, so, like, I mean, I think at 16, like, she had her own apartment, she was, like, going to school. You know, what was going on during that time? Like, like, like mid to late 80s, you know, just the crack epidemic happened, she's watching people that she grew up with starting to use drugs, starting to sell drugs, and just watching, like, like neighborhoods and, and the way of life starting to deteriorate around her, and, but having a presence of mind and be like, okay, I have two young boys. I have to keep them away from this. So we moved at the time, I think she was like living on the west side. She moved us to the north side of Chicago. I mean, which wasn't as like ravaged with, with like drugs and stuff, but keeping us like, you know, in an area, in a place where it's just like, you know, it's not too much going on around here. And I can, I can manage, you know, what they, what they experience. I hate when I hear, I hate when I hear people say, uh, all lives matter. Not because it's not true, because it is true. All lives matter, but I, I, hate, I hate to hear it because what it is is just a flippant response to, 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 like, black lives matter. You can hit a contempt when they say, all lives matter. Like, it's just, it's, like, you, you don't really mean that. You're just saying it like, like somebody said, you suck, takes one to no one. It's like that same type of, it's the same type of energy that they throw them back. And I, and I don't believe all lives matter for the simple fact that we have homeless people in America that we don't give a fuck about on a daily basis. And the reason we don't give a fuck about them is because we look at them we look at them and we, and, and somehow we justify them being homeless by, oh, it's their fault they like this. So if you can look at a homeless person like that, you can look at a black person and say, oh, that happened to them because something they did. 
And I saw this shit live in action. I was at a fucking, at a protest, and people fucking, Black Lives Matter, and it was counter protest All Lives Matter. And this, this lady was like, All Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And this homeless dude walked up, like, you got some change? She's like, get the fuck away from me! Ew! You stink! David, he touched me, he fucking touched me! All Lives Matter! <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> oh, man. And, it's, and it's, it's, like, it's like a weird time because I feel like people, people feel like racism is like an overt thing. It's not overt no more. Racism is very, like, refined. Racism is now, like, it's, it's become psychological terrorism. And we see that now because, because we see brands and companies changing how they've done shit for, like, centuries. We've seen fucking Band-Aid. Now we got black Band-Aids. They say, oh, we making Band-Aids are difficult. People's like, Band-Aids was skin tone? Like, we, what? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking psych. Here's the thing. Band-Aids were created in 1920 by Johnson & Johnson. Granted, 1920, black people, we weren't counted as, 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 as Americans, so I understand, I get it, I understand. But fucking 99 years, we didn't have a fucking Band-Aid. Pink Zebra had a Band-Aid. Hello Kitty had a Band-Aid. <laughs> All these fucking Band-Aids, and we didn't have a Band-Aid. What you saying to us is that if we hurt ourselves and we put a Band-Aid on, you saying, hey, you're gonna be all right, but you will never be right. <laughs> and I said that shit, and somebody said, well, you know they do make clear Band-Aids. I'm like, you're right, they do make clear Band-Aids. If I put on a clear Band-Aid, my skin gonna show through the clear part, but it's gonna be a big piece of cotton poking out on my skin. Yeah, cotton-picking niggas. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all, it's all psychological. It's all psychological. And I understand, I understand how racism is perpetuated. A lot of times we don't live amongst each other, we don't understand each other's culture, so all we left with is stereotypes of what we see on the news. I'm from Chicago. Chicago's one of the most racially segregated cities in America, if not the world, so I understand how it works. You white, you live in Chicago, you watch the news, all you know about black people is that we live on the south side, we shoot each other. If you black, you live in Chicago, you watch the news, all you know about white people is that y'all eat hummus and run marathons. That's all the fuck we know. <laughs> so when we see each other downtown, they're like, don't shoot. It's like, we not, just don't run. It's not like that. Let's talk about this shit. It's not that bad. Chicago is like probably the most racially segregated city that I've, I've experienced. Uh, a friend of mine, he says it's like a banquet dinner. Everything has its own compartment where it goes. I would go to the west side of Chicago uh, and I would stay with my, my grandmother on the weekends. So my mother would, she would work and my grandmother would have us for the weekend while she was working. So that, the west side of Chicago, predominantly black neighborhood. So it was like, uh, it was like being around kids, but not sound, looking like them, but not sounding like them. Majority of my life, I had always just lived around Hispanic people. So my, my understanding of the world was black and Latino people and I never really interacted with white people like that. In Chicago, I live in a, in a gentrified neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood, so I knew what it was and I could see the difference of what it is now. And a lot of times people hear gentrification, they think, oh, they made the neighborhood better. It's like, yeah, but no. Gentrification is like, it's like extreme makeover, right? You live in a neighborhood, this big ass bus pull up in front of your neighborhood, everybody get on the other side of the bus, some time goes by. <laughs> everybody from the community standing there, they're like, move that bus! And then fucking bus pull up. Everybody like, oh shit! Oh shit, we got a Trader Joe's! <laughs> we finally got a fucking grocery store! Oh, this shit is amazing! Hot yoga. Don't know what the fuck it is, but I'm doing it. I'm doing that shit. It's in the neighborhood. Oh, this shit gonna be fucking amazing. Is, what is this? Bookstore? Okay, fuck it. We going. We doing all this shit. Ah, oh, this shit is amazing. Our neighborhood been shit. Oh, when can we move back in? And they like, you can't. Actually, that bus waiting for y'all. <laughs> Get on it and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's called a Christopher Columbus Express. <laughs> I feel like all stereotypes have a, a tad bit of truth to them. All stereotypes, they got a must to see the truth in them. 
Like, like for instance, like I've researched it. White people stereotype is that uh, all white people uh, are the devil, right? And um, <laughs> research. I don't, this is not my thought process. I just I found this out. Google. <laughs> and um, I ain't got no punchline for that joke yet. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still working on it. This is a stereotype about blacks and Latinos. They say blacks and Latinos. They say we loud. We talk very loud all the time, everywhere. We talk loud. And I thought about that shit. I was like, yeah, we are loud. And I figured out why we loud. The reason blacks and Latinos are loud is because all of our lives, we've been talking through three-inch bulletproof glass to people that don't speak English <laughs> at gas stations, corner stores, and restaurants in our neighborhood. That shit is a condition. <laughs> you go to the gas station in, in the hood, you got to go in there and fucking yell, let me get 10 on pump six. <laughs> you can't just turn that shit off. You've been doing it all day. Your whole life? Yeah. Like, I hate Subway in my neighborhood because Subway, we got bulletproof glass at Subway. I'm not making this shit up. It's the dumbest shit in the world to me because in my mind, I'm like, who the fuck breaking a Subway with a gun and a Ziploc bag? Stealing meats and cheeses and shit. Put the shit in the bag! The provolone, motherfucker, put the shit in the bag! Put some cookies in there too, not the oatmeal, the chocolate chip, make it a meal! <laughs> I imagine any dude behind the glass like, I'm sorry, I can only put so much meat on the sandwich. Hey, I will shoot the shit out of you if you don't put some more meat on that thin ass sandwich. I'm sorry, I have to charge you extra. <laughs> I go in Subway, I order my food, it's bulletproof glass, I gotta yell. Let me get a cold cut trio, six inch wheat toasted. Now you know they make your sandwich at Subway, they put it on the counter, they slide it down, they put the condiments on. God won't make my sandwich like that. He's holding my sandwich like a blunt. Every time I ask for a condom, I'll be like, hey, can I get some pickles and lettuce? He like, pickles and lettuce. <laughs> I'm thinking, in my head, I'm like, you know what, this guy is a sandwich technician. Um, maybe he got his own style of making sandwiches. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna buy the sandwich. Now, you know, they get down to the end of the line, they wrap it up, put it in the bag. He got down to the end of the line, and he licked my goddamn sandwich. He's, <laughs> He's like, you said you wanted toaster, right? I was like, yeah. He's like. I'm like, man, put some cookies in the bag. I'm gonna eat those, eat those goddamn cookies. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. Let me tell you about my podcast. We do it uh, every single day, so you can subscribe, and there'll always be a fresh one waiting for you. It's about two hours of uh, topics, topical topics, and news, and guests, and uh, comedians, and of course, my own vitriolic take on uh, just about everything that's going on in the world. Plus, um, we get a lot of really interesting, uh, notable people who come in. We'll get politicians, we'll get uh, tastemakers, we'll get stand-ups, we'll get uh, authors, we'll get uh, pundits, we'll get, uh, what I say? Well, I think about covers it all, celebrities as well. And uh, we'll do some really interesting interviews with them. You can get The Adam Carolla Show wherever you download your podcast. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. 
You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We lost my grandmother. I was in college, and my mother, like, every day was in the hospital because she was, like, she was, like, in a coma for, like, what felt like a year, and my mother was up there, like, every single day. I remember when I got the phone call, my brother called me. It was like, oh, she had a stroke. She in a coma. And, like, in that moment, like, I, I accepted, like, oh, that's it. And I remember I cried, and then speaking at her funeral, it was like, a, I just wrote, like, a letter to her because she used to call me, uh, she used to call me her little Michael Jordan because I played basketball, and she was just, like, Super supportive of me. And, um, man. But, yeah, I think that that probably was tough, like, talking at her funeral. But I felt like I needed to do it. Like, that was my, like, official goodbye to her. My grandmother taught me patience. Like, be patient, don't rush nothing. Just don't shortchange yourself, you know? So that, that, that stuck with me. I'm about to ask a question. It's going to be a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. I'm just asking it out loud because this is something I think about. But I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with this. I don't know shit about politics. I don't keep up with politics. I, honestly, I don't even really watch TV that much. I probably stopped watching TV probably about eight years ago because I feel like you turn on the TV, you see the news, all this shit going on in the world, that shit going to your head, and it end up in your subconscious. Now you're worried about shit that you have no control over, and you're stressing out, and it's affecting you. So I just turn the TV off. But one thing I do know is I know jobs. I know jobs. So my question is this. How the fuck is Donald Trump still president? <laughs> <laughs> not, and I'm not... Not even based on politics, on just on the job, on a job fucking level. <laughs> in order to keep a job, I don't give a fuck where you work at, what you do. In order to keep a job, three things. Know what you're doing. Do the shit. Don't say nothing fucked up on the clock. That's all the fuck you gotta do to keep a job. <laughs> Four, don't steal. But the top, the, the main three, that's how the fuck you keep a job. But Donald Trump still got his fucking job. Still got his fucking job. And I'm like, how? How? But I get it. I understand, Donald Trump is necessary. He's, ne- he's necessary at this moment in time, in this period in history. Donald Trump is a fucking bully, and we need bullies, because what bullies do is they point out what the fuck is wrong with you. They point out, remember you as a kid, you go to school. When you as a kid, you go to school, and your parents, oh, you, you're beautiful, you, you're so handsome, you're so, my princess, you're so, oh, and then you go to school, and you walk through, and the kid like, why your forehead look like that? You go home and your parents continue to set you up for failure. No, they're just jealous of you. They're just jealous. You're going to grow onto your forehead. And then you go back out to school and they're like, you still got a big-ass forehead. And eventually, what happens when you're being bullied is you realize, you know what? Let me accept my flaws and accentuate and work on the shit that I'm good at. And that's what Trump has done to America. He's, we, he's, he's shown the very ugly side of America that we, we can't not turn away from. And now it's like, okay, now we got to work on what the fuck we can America loves bullies. America loves bullies. And I know this because I watched a show called American Gladiator. (laughs) Y'all remember American Gladiator? It was a bunch of fucking steroided up, almost Olympic athletes trying to murder regular ass people (laughs) in a made up game situation. Some dude named fucking uh, Hank from Nebraska. He's He's a tax accountant going up against some motherfucker that just left the combine. <laughs> oh, what, what, what game we playing? All right, take this Nerf ball and try to slam it into that hamper. We're going to try to kill you in between now. Like, what? <laughs> and we watch that shit because we want to see fucking Hank get murdered <laughs> on primetime television. We need, we need bullying. So literally, let's accept this fucking president for what he is, a bully, and let's go out and be great. Think about all the movies in the 80s. Think about all the movies we watched in the 80s. It was about some, somebody got bullied, 
They put the fucking time, the work they have determined to defeat this bully, but in the, in the process, they learn something about themselves. Prime example, y'all remember the movie Karate Kid? I watched that movie and I realized something. In that movie, I like, you know, when you're a kid, you just accept it for what it is, but as an adult, you can critically think and you see things differently. If you don't remember Karate Kid, I'm gonna give you a quick recap of the movie. Kid named Danny moves to a new town with his mother, goes to a new school, meets a girl, he likes the girl. The girl's ex-boyfriend, he's an actual karate kid. He's an actual karate kid, and he sees that Danny is digging his girlfriend, so he starts beating him up. He starts bullying him. They beating him the fuck down. And I don't know what it is about 80s bad kids, but they just wouldn't, they wouldn't just beat you up. It was always, like, disturbed. I'm gonna fucking destroy you, Caruso! Like, it was always like a... You're fucking dead! It's like, what the fuck going on at home, man? It's your classmate. Calm down. It's not that serious. I'm fucking destroy you! So they fucking beating him up. They jumping on him. They beating him up. One of the kids like, hey, this is enough. Get the fuck away from me! They beating him up. And I don't know what comes Mr. Miyagi. Who the fuck is Mr. Miyagi? He's a fucking maintenance man that works in Danny's building. Somehow, somewhere, he just happened to be at this undisclosed location that they ran to. He hops over the fence. And he starts kicking these kids' heads. <laughs> Saves Danny. He takes Danny to the Cobra Kai dojo. He confronts they, they, they sensei. Hey, hey, look, they messing with him. Leave him the fuck alone. Sensei like, what you gonna do about it? He look around. That tournament right there? Danny, you fight your boys in that tournament. Y'all just leave him alone. Danny like, I don't know karate. He like, I got you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Take Danny back to his house. He got Danny fucking painting fences and, and scrubbing and cleaning shit. And Danny just rehabbed his whole backyard. He just rehabbed his, <laughs> rehabbed his shit. Danny like, you know, I'm fed up. What the fuck? You just got me out here working. I'm out here. Danny's son. Da Daniel son. He stop him. Daniel, stop. <laughs> Pay the bill. <laughs> he doing his shit. And he thought, oh, shit, I am learning some shit. All right, cool. I keep working. I keep working. <laughs> Months pass, tournament comes up. Mind you, Danny hasn't had an actual fight this entire time. He's not sparred with a motherfucker, nothing. He's just been painting fences and waxing on and waxing off. <laughs> also, Danny's mother finally showed up in the fucking movie at the end. She didn't come, she, she didn't come to check to see how he was doing and what his progress was like. She just, at the end of the movie, all right, we're here, let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> fucking fight start, Danny start winning. In true 80s fashion, you got the montage, hey, fucking he winning. And at some point, the other sensei see that he might beat one of his kids, and he like, you know what? Sweep the leg. You sure? Sweep the leg. Danny go down. His ankle fucked up. Ah, mm, ah, mm, ah, ah. Mr. Miyagi take him in the back. Daniel, son! Can you fight? I don't, I don't think so. Then he do this shit with his hands. He clap. Fucking start rubbing his hands together. And he reach under Danny, Danny Gee, and he touch him. Danny like, ah, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> And he fucking jump up. Ah, nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'll fight, I'll fight. Just don't, don't do that, I don't know what the fuck that was. I don't feel right. And Danny goes back out there, he limping and shit. And we saw him do this crane kick at the beach. And the guy, for whatever reason, he just run at him with his chin out. <laughs> and he like, now, pow! And this motherfucker kick him in the chin. Ah, the fucking crowd go around. Danny win, everybody's fucking celebrating. And I'm watching this shit, and I'm like, damn. He could have just shot that motherfucker. <laughs> You guys have been great. I'm Calvin Evans. Thank you. Woo! We did it. We did it. We all did it. I'm I'm 5'10, like 185 pounds. I'm like, I, if I would have stayed on the team, I probably would have rolled the bench. I would have finished college and I probably would have you know, just been chasing basketball, trying to play overseas or something. And then when I, I got to my like late 20s, I would have decided like, okay, I'm done with this. Let me go 
teach or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that I found something that I could put my all into that, that could be a, a new journey for me. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts